Well, um, let me just jump into this subject and why I picked it. One of the things we've been thinking about at G2 is, is kind of holiness and discipleship and how we can be wholehearted followers of Jesus. And that's much easier said than it's done. There's a huge challenge in that. And it's very easy for us to drift away from it and get caught up in all of the baggage to do with churchianity and uh, religiosity and, and, and that's almost like the packaging. It, it's, it's one of the things that it's really hard to stay focused on the heart of what it's all about. So I think we're going to say much more about this next term and we're going to look at it in all sorts of different ways. But as I was thinking this last month, this, this idea struck me about the idea of red letter Christianity. Well, in 1899, a man called Louis uh, um, who was an editor of the Christian Herald magazine, had an inspiration that he would publish a new translation, a new edition of the Bible, where the spoken words of Jesus were printed in red. I've got a red-letter Bible, but it, it, it's buried in a box too far deep in my garage to, to get out. I was going to hold it and wave it in front of you. But you might have seen one, and some particular translations of the Bible are often printed in a red letter edition or sometimes on the front of it you might have a, a translation and then some some versions of the printing are labeled as red letter editions and what that means is words the spoken words of Jesus are printed not in black but in red and uh, Colossians idea of printing the idea the words of Jesus in red originated for him when he was reading uh, Luke's gospel and he read in Luke 22 and verse 20 it says this, this cup is the New Testament of my blood, which I shed for you. And so he had in mind the kind of the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus being imprinting the, the highlight of those words that Jesus spoke that are recorded um, in the New Testament of the Bible. And so um, from that, we get this idea of a red letter Bible. And I want to talk maybe about the idea of having a red letter faith or being a red letter Christian. Now, we need to pause before you stone me as a heretic because I need to make clear that I love all of the Bible. All of the Bible is brilliant. And the Bible even says of itself, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for rebuking, correcting, training, instruction and in righteousness so that a servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. So all, all of the Bible is given to us, Christians believe, by God for benefit. But we do handle the Bible in the context of how it was written. So, for example, we read the Old Testament, which is the bigger part of the Bible, the Old Testament that occurred before the birth of Jesus. We read it through the lens of the New Testament. Now, before you think, do I do that? Okay, has any of you stoned your neighbour for wearing a mixed fibre jumper. Okay, if you have, then you're holding up all of the teaching in true form of the Old Testament, where God said, if, if your neighbour wears a mixed fibre jumper, which is symbolic of mixing their purity of their faith with God with other things, then the best thing to do is just stone him to death. That's the best way to keep things pure and on track. 
We're not in the habit of doing that. We're not checking anyone's jumpers. We're not looking at the labels as you come to church. Is that is that is that like nylon and polyester? Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Just stand over there in that little queue by those rocks. <laughs> Pastor will be out in a minute. So we're not, you're not doing that because you see the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. You're probably not restricting your travel on on Saturday, the Sabbath, to a mile, which is the the teaching of observing the uh, uh, Sabbath. And perhaps like me, or maybe you do, but maybe you don't, uh, maybe you enjoy a bacon sandwich. I love a bacon sandwich, but that's forbidden to me in the Old Testament. But because I'm, I'm in the New Testament, I can enjoy what the Old Testament says, but actually some of it applies to my life in different ways. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 this, Don't think that I've come to abolish the law of God. Instead, I have come f- to fulfil All of them. And he also said this, Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never come to an end. So Jesus elevated his words and his teaching as part of, in company with scripture, but above the Old Testament scripture that they had already received. Now, keep this in mind as well. In the Bible, we sometimes have telescopes that help us see and summarize the rest of the bible we have a telescope sometimes that helps us zoom in or zoom out and encapsulate and summarize large parts of what the bible says in simple ideas let me give you a really good example in matthew 22 jesus was asked um, what is the greatest commandment That's a good question. The Old Testament has lots and lots and lots, hundreds of commandments. And certainly the Ten Commandments, the famous ones given to Moses. And Jesus replied this. The greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. Then he added. Also, love your neighbour. And he told a parable that explained that neighbour meant everyone else. So he added, also, love your neighbour as you love yourself. And then he gave us this telescope. He said, all of the teaching of the prophets and the law, which meant the Old Testament, can be summarised in those two commandments. So if you ever want a handy shortcut, a crib sheet, to the whole of at least the Old Testament, then you can summarise it in those two simple commandments. Love God with all your heart and love others as you love yourself. And Jesus, an authoritative voice, said, everything you've read in the Old Testament basically can be summed up and distilled into those two things. So obviously the Old Testament has loads of stories and interesting things and loads of commandments and loads of events. But if you like, the essence of all of them is pointing towards those two simply understood truths. And Jesus, of course, kind of saw himself and his words as being an an updating and a completing and a fulfilling of teachings that certainly the Jewish people of his day would have been very familiar with. So, for example, uh, he says in Matthew chapter 5, you've heard it said, don't murder. But I say to you, anyone that's angry with another person in their heart has already committed murder in their heart. And then he goes on going through other things. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But if you think those thoughts, then you've committed it in your heart. 
he, he talks about, you've heard it said, uh, swear an oath by the altar, but I say to you, just make your yes a yes and your no a no. He, he tells them, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which was the Jewish law called the lex talonis. It was a way of measuring retribution. So if somebody does something to you, what can you do to get back to them? So if someone punches you in the face, okay, fair game, you can punch them back in the face. You can't kill them, that would be going too far. Somebody stands on your toe, all right, if you need to stand on their toe, you can get your retribution. And Jesus said, you've heard it say an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, but uh, I tell you, uh, forgive your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He told them to love their enemies. So there were lots of examples where in the words of Jesus, these red letter words, (coughs) Jesus took truth of the Old Testament and brought it to a stronger and a higher conclusion. If you merely read the Old Testament, what you'll be doing is pointing yourself in the direction of then what you would see fulfilled and more perfectly expressed through the lips of Jesus. Of course, the words of Jesus have had incredible impact through history. Uh, Some consider them uh, some of the most revolutionary collection of sayings and teachings that there are. The words of Jesus were were banned in communist Russia because they were considered revolutionary. So any print of the words of Jesus was destroyed, along with other things that were destroyed as well. Um, Gandhi, who was not a Christian but was a great worker for injustice and, and poverty, said every day in the morning would read the Beatitudes of Jesus. And he was once interviewed and asked, why do you read that and not the uh, Bahiba Vagavda or the, some of the other hin- Hindu texts that he, he would have more naturally be assumed to have read? And he said he read them because he considered them the most challenging and aspirational teachings that the world had to offer. So he wasn't as kind of named Christian, but he saw these red-letter words and teachings of Jesus as being some of the most dangerous and and explosive and expressive and powerful teachings that you could get a hold of. And I was at a conference uh, on Friday, and one speaker put it like this. He said, 2,000 years ago in the Holy Land, there was an incredible, massive Roman army that actually controlled all of the region. And that Roman army was in power. And then at the same time, there was a simple, humble nobody called Jesus, who didn't speak to a huge number of people, didn't travel a great distance, and didn't hold a high office. Now, 2,000 years ago, later, we call our children Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mary, and Elizabeth, and we call our dogs Caesars and Rex. The impact that Jesus had on culture, on world culture, is absolutely massive. And I don't know about you, but if you're ever looking to sort of pull yourself out of religiosity and into getting back to the heart of what faith is about. I often go to one of two, two places. I either go and read the Psalms, which I find are emotionally rich. The Psalms with great emotional honesty. Um, that's interesting, someone ringing. Um, with emotional honesty and kind of express how you might feel and how you might be struggling with God. Or I go and read the words of Jesus, which is it's like getting to the, to the heart, the very centre, the, the essence 
of what the rest of the Bible is about. I read all the Bible and love it, but it's like the words of Jesus absolutely get you back centred on track with what it's about. And of course, the words of Jesus are incredibly powerful. And if you've read any of the um, sayings of Jesus, and we've got some of them scattered around and we're going to look at them um, in a minute, then you'll know that some of them are almost impossible to lay a hold of. They're the kind of things that will actually um, shape you for a, a whole lifetime in terms of seeking after God. There's a Danish theologian, Soren Kierkegaard, who was once asked, how many Christians do you think there are in Denmark? And his answer was, in any one generation, maybe two or three. If by Christian you mean somebody who keeps all of the teachings of Jesus. The teachings of Jesus are incredibly liberating from any religiousness because they are hugely provocative and life-shaping and challenging. And, even, and they're very hard to, to argue around. You might read something like Romans written by Paul and you might you know, argue there's this way of looking at and this way of looking at and this way of looking at. But the things that Jesus said were often plain, incredibly down-to-earth, practical and, and uh, provocative. So, for example, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, um, If any of you own two coats, give one away to the poor. Okay? Now, that's a really difficult verse for me to read because I think I own three coats. Um, ladies, fortunately, he didn't say anything about shoes. He didn't say, like, if you own more than one pair of shoes, then give the 99 rest away, whatever it might be. But here's something that's, that's, that's incredibly challenging to my life. If I own more than two coats, then, like that video that we heard, then I've, I've probably got one extra than what I need, and I could do something in Jesus' name that's good with that coat. And, of course, um, reading the words of Jesus also gives us a real clarity on where we stand with God and it's, it's often easy to, to have two extremes on the one hand we can kind of make God so aloof and amazing that he's kind of distant just kind of utterly distant and far away or we can kind of we can kind of pull him down and we can we can be so close and friendly that we kind of devalue him he's our you know, he becomes just the big man upstairs, or Jesus is my homeboy, or we kind of we kind of pull him down, and we actually de- de- degrade the value of him. When we read the words of Jesus that he spoke, then actually we we hear words from somebody who claimed to perfectly represent God. We're get we're getting the barometer is exactly centered on what it should be, and we are hearing words that Jesus expressed to people so that they could lay a hold of who he who he was and who God was and also I find in talking to others who maybe don't go to church about uh, God and Christianity and faith I find using the words of Jesus is far more practical than trying to explain propitiation or substitutional atonement or you know um, the trinity or things like that the the words the words of Jesus actually are often far far more easily received and uh, and uh, absorbed by people than christian concepts that often we so often want to gravitate towards um, instead well what we're going to do for the 
bits of time that we've got left. We've got about eight minutes left. And I've left some, some of the words of Jesus um, on these quotes. So what I'm going to suggest you do is to get yourself into a pair or a three, whatever you want to do, and grab one of these. Maybe grab one that grabs you, or maybe you want to grab the one that you wish wasn't sitting in front of you. Most of them are challenging, as in hard things to do. So a few of them are um, really encouraging and inspiring, uplifting type things. So pick whichever you want to go with. And uh, maybe you just want to chat about how that makes you feel. So I've just picked one up here that says this. I'll summarise it. If I don't forgive other people, God won't forgive me. Now, I could argue what Jesus really meant, but I think that's what he really meant. He said, Jesus said, if I won't forgive other people, Father in heaven won't forgive me. That's an incredible challenge to my life. What, what, how will that shape my life in order to be a follower of Jesus? 